Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. How many are ready for the word this morning? I'm so excited. Listen, if you have your iPhone or Android. I'm totally teasing. I was like, I had an Android for like 15 years. <laughs> My wife says, I might be switching. She converted me like two years ago, and I have an iPhone. Has it been four years? Oh, wow. God. Anyway, if you have your, your cell phones or your hard copy like I do, your Bible, please go ahead and get it out. I'd like you to turn to a portion of Scripture with me. Um, that the Lord has been speaking to me regarding, and it's found in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. He's what we would call one of the major prophets. Everybody say major. He's one of the major prophets. There's major prophets, then there's minor prophets, depending on the impact, I guess that that particular prophet made in that specific time period. At least that's the way I interpret it. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. And it says this, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Everybody say, what do you see? What do you see? And I said, Jeremiah said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. I love what the message version said. It says this, God's message came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I said, a walking stick. That's all. And God said, good eyes. I'm sticking with you. I'll make every word I give you come true. As I referred to Benjamin as, uh, did I call him the wailing man? The Bible refers Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. Everybody say the weeping prophet. If you wonder why I get you guys to engage, it's so that you guys, I'm making sure that you're not falling asleep on me. And I love when people talk back to me. But nonetheless, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. And this morning and yesterday evening, the Lord began to minister to me on some of the reasons why the Bible refers to Jeremiah as a weeping prophet. You would think that a man of God, when he hears God's voice, he would be pretty happy about that. How many would be a little bit happy if you could hear God's voice as much as Jeremiah did? And then the Lord began to speak to me. People who are visionaries, when they don't see come to pass what God has put in their heart, oftentimes are sorrowful people. If I could say anything about visionaries, there is a weakness in that visionary. Can all the visionaries say amen? amen. When God has put something in your heart and then he puts you in a period of waiting, amen? That's why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet because there are so many things that Jeremiah had in his heart and things that God would speak to Jeremiah when Jeremiah was in prison 
about the nations of the world, particularly Israel, Jeremiah wasn't seeing those things come to pass, even though he had declared them, even though he heard God. How many people do I have in here who have heard from God before, but then God sticks you in a season of waiting period, and then it brings grief and sorrow because the Bible says that when a desire is unfulfilled, come on, when a desire is unfulfilled, the heart grows sick. Amen? And so this is one of the reasons why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And you have to be careful when you get a vision from God or when you hear instructions from God that you don't slip into a season of frustration in your season of waiting. Amen? And I would say that vision, everybody say vision. Vision is not only necessary, but I believe it is critical to a life of a believer. To have vision for the future. To have vision for your family. Vision for your finances. Come on, the most important vision for your walk with God. And that's why I want to entitle this message this morning, 2020 Vision. 2020 Vision. Go ahead and nudge somebody if you're next to somebody and say 2020 Vision. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, get a vision for 2020. First question I want to pose to you this morning and that God was posing to Jeremiah is, what do you see in 2020? What do you see? He said it in verse 11 here. He says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. You cannot see the fulfillment of something for which you have no vision for. Do you see that? If you do not have vision for something, you will not see that very thing come to fruition in your life. And there is no doubt that physical blindness, in my mind, is one of the first, uh, worst physical ailments a person can have. Can everybody testify to that, right? Blindness. Imagine being blind. I remember as a kid, we would all joke around and we would say, hey, if you had to have some type of physical ailment, what would it be? Like blindness would be like one of the worst things. I almost would rather have an amputated leg versus not being able to see. You wouldn't be able to see how beautiful your spouse is. Come on, all the married people say amen. So I see some people in here who are single. You wouldn't be able to see your future spouse. You wouldn't know if you married somebody who is beautiful or the other. But can I tell you what's worse than physical blindness It's people who are walking around visionless in their lives with no direction, walking through life, lovers of Jesus. They come to church and they are visionless, have no means for living, have no vision for their future, have no vision for 2020. They're walking around aimless without vision. And I would suggest to you that it is an epidemic, not just in in America, but around the world. Look at somebody and nudge them and say, don't be visionless. Don't be visionless. What do you have vision for this year, 2020? As it relates to your marriage, vision for your finances, visions for your education, come on, visions for your health. How many of you are going to make up in your mind this year you're going to sign up with Planet Fitness, LA Fitness, Gold Gym, and going to make some goals for yourself, quit some certain habits? Come on, just look straight ahead. 
Stop smoking, stop drinking, whatever it might be as it relates to your health. I'm talking about vision. Doesn't sound real spiritual, but listen, God can use you more when you stay healthy. Amen? How many wanna live healthy lives? In your business, in that startup business that you're believing for, in going to the ramp this next coming year. Come on, say amen, Alicia. In your relationship with God, as I said before, how about having vision, partnering with this church and volunteering, praying for this church so that we can see God's kingdom advance in our local body? Can somebody shout for that? I love what it says in Proverbs, although it is scary. It says this, watch this. Where there is no vision, the people perish or die. Without vision, people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Listen to what it says in the, the Passion Translation. It says this, where there is no clear prophetic vision, Tamaki, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when they follow the revelation of the word of God, heaven's bliss fills your soul. If we are going to see the fulfillment that God has put on our lives, the vision that God has put in our hearts, it's important that we go beyond just desiring it. Can somebody say amen to that? You have to, if you're going to see God's perfect will come to pass in your life, we have to step beyond the borders of just desire. Amen? And we have to get a vision for it. And there are practical things that we can do when we get the vision, not just keep it in our mind, just like Mary did, although we should keep it in mind. But we have to do something with that vision. You know what Strong's Concordance says the word vision means in Hebrew? It says a supernatural appearance or a vision. A lot of people discount that what God has put in their heart, that vision, that desire, that strong urge, that propensity to always go back to that thing that keeps you up at night, or that thing that always rolls around in your mind. That is a supernatural impartation that God has put in your heart because he has something specific for you to fulfill in the earth for your life. I'm not talking about a flash in the pan. You know how I knew I was called to start this church and how I knew that God would have me to live my life as a minister? It's because year one went by and it was still there. Year two went by and it was still there. Year four and five and six and then year 15 hit and it was still there. And not only did it not diminish, but the fire began to grow in my heart. And I knew this thing wasn't just a flash in the pan. I knew you, hey, this is what I have to say to you. Listen to this. You are not just sitting inside of a church right now. You are in sitting inside of a vision that God put in my heart. Amen. And do you know that there's people waiting to sit inside your vision? So you got, it's got to move beyond just desire in your life. You've got to get the vision, and you've got to run with the vision. Amen? Until you see that thing fully fulfilled. It's up to God to impart the vision. It's up to you to walk it out. Look at somebody and say, walk it out. Walk, walk it out. Come on, y'all act like y'all never seen that song before. I see some of y'all acting like y'all never listened to that radio station. You haven't been saved always. Walk it out. And I want you to notice in this scripture, is this good? I want you to notice in this specific scripture, when he's talking to Jeremiah, that God initiated this conversation between him and Jeremiah. And he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? Everybody say, what do you see? Do you think that God couldn't see it? 
God could obviously see it. He was wondering if Jeremiah would line up with what he is seeing. And so he, he provokes Jeremiah. He stirs Jeremiah. He beckons Jeremiah. He invites Jeremiah to catch a glimpse of what God is seeing for Jeremiah. God could have brought that very thing to pass, but he chose not to. Why? Because God chooses humanity. He chooses people to partnership with him. It's not that God couldn't do it. God can actually do that very thing in your life that you're looking for him to do. He's just waiting for you to catch the vision of what he has for your personal lives so he can bring it to pass. You take one step, in other words, and God takes two. Come on. And I wonder if the reason the Lord has been slow at bringing some things to pass in my life and in your life is not because he wants to make you wait because he's not a good, good father, but it's because, it's because you've given him no vision to work with. He had nothing to work with, Jer with Jeremiah until Jeremiah caught the vision. And until you catch the vision that God has put not only in your life but in your heart, you will see that vision delayed. Everybody say delayed. And I think about this. One of God's first commandments is not written in the first ten commandments. Did you guys know that? He actually commanded Adam in the Garden of Eden and he commanded the man to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Amen? And God, God, God brought me to this, uh, th this word see. Everybody say see. I started thinking about this. Because in order to be fruitful, because he told, he told Adam, hey, listen, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. But in order to be fruitful, you've got to be seedful. If you're going to see fruit in your life, you have to be seedful. And that first, the first 75% of that word seed is see. See, Jeremiah, see what I've put in your heart. See the seed that I've put in your heart. And once you can see the seed that I've put in your heart, one day, if you walk this thing out, you will see this seed come to fruition. In other words, the people that plant seed, right, when they're planting a seed, it's because they have vision for, what, for which is to come. They know in their hearts, if I fertilize this just right, if I water this just enough, if I don't drown it, but I water it just right, I can expect a harvest as a result of this seed sown. Somebody say see. I think about the parable of the sower. I think about the man with the five talents, right? That God gave five talents to one man. He gave two talents to another man, and he gave one talent to another man. And the man with five talents went out and won five more. And God says to him, or Jesus says to him, listen, good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom, enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the man he gave two talents to, he does the same thing. He goes out and earns double. And God says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he goes to the man with one talent. The problem is the man who had a little thought he shouldn't do anything with it. And I begin to think about this. And God says to him, listen, he casts the guy into hell. He says, you're going to have your portion with those who are weeping and gnashing of teeth. You have no portion here. He takes the one seed and gives it to the man who has five. Why would God do that? I thought to myself, God, don't you think you're being just a little bit harsh? As a matter of fact, Lord, 
don't get mad at me, don't strike me, but you kind of shorthanded this guy. And you know what the guy said to me? Uh, God, excuse me, what, God didn't say anything to me. He didn't walk off the pages. You know what I felt the Lord say to my heart? God wasn't mad at him for, for, for not duplicating the seed. It wasn't even about the item because God took the item and gave it to somebody else. He was mad that this man had no vision for his life. He had no vision. Somebody say vision. And, and, and I thought this to myself. You can start with much and end up with nothing if you have no vision. While at the same time, you can make something out of nothing if you have vision. That's worth quoting. I see millionaires who win, you know, the Powerball. Do they still do the Powerball? I don't gamble, so I don't know. Look, I know who gambles now. No, I'm just kidding. I've seen people who've won millions and millions of dollars, and within just a couple of years, those millions of dollars are squandered. Why? Because they had money with no vision. But if you give a man who has nothing, come on, just five loaves and two fish, but has vision, he will end up with something. Because broke is the man, not the man who, broke is the man who has millions without vision, but rich is that man who has vision with no money. I know that's hard to believe, but there was a day when I remember I had nothing. I remember we didn't have a chair to sit on. I remember I didn't have a vehicle to drive. I remember when I was 20 years sleeping on not even a mattress, but on a hardwood floor, but God gave me a vision. And when you have vision, God can promote you. Amen. How many got vision in the house? Let me hear your voice. Hallelujah. You want to know what I have vision for, for this church and for your personal lives? I have vision for the Lord to spark a fire. Come on, in this church, that involves you. Say it involves me. To spark a fire that cannot be controlled by any man-made method or quenched by any demonic force. I have vision for every person in here to discover their purpose, their destiny, the reason why God put them here in this earth. That means you. For this church body to lack no good thing, to be blessed in their health, blessed on their job, blessed in their finances, blessed in their giftings, used by the Lord mightily. Amen? For this church body to demonstrate the power of God in your personal lives, in your private lives, in your families, on the job. Come on, for this tiny little room that has plenty of room for more people, but for this room to be so filled to capacity because of what God is doing here that we have to move buildings. Come on. Don't tell Josie. I'm half playing. I have vision for that. Secondly, write it down. Write it down. Habakkuk says this. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3 says this. Then the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision. Everybody say, write it down. Look at somebody and say, write it down. Make sure you write it down. Write it down. Write the vision and make it plain, the Bible says, and make it plain on tablets. I guess that's before they had notepads. Y'all were supposed to laugh right there. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, in other words, though it takes a long time, wait for it because it will surely come. Any vision that God puts in your heart is worthy of writing down. Any vision that God puts in your heart is worthy to jot down on paper. And when you write it down, this vision does two things. This plan does two things. Number one, 
It shows God your level of seriousness. Can somebody say amen to that? It shows your level of seriousness. As a matter of fact, listen to this. How many of you have watched, um, is it called Shark Tank? I kind of like that show. Is there anybody like that show in here? So, so I guess what I like about it, I like when people n- not necessarily just make it, but I really like them. Maybe this is my flesh. I don't know. I really like them uh, when, I, when I see them kind of being pushed a little bit, questioned a little bit, because the, what, what the person who does comes in there doing, the entrepreneur is in there to be invested into. So I love when, when, when the guys, I can't remember their names, but the investors, we'll call them the investors, begin to prod and poke at them. And one of the first things they ask these people is, what is your business plan? What is your goal? Who's invested into this so far? Because you cannot expect an investor to invest in something that hasn't been worthy enough for you to write down. And we cannot expect God to invest in something that we look very little serious about. Amen? So write it down. Somebody say, write it down. Because we can't get to buy, we cannot get God to buy into something that we ourselves don't take serious. It's like the extra step that someone would take. It has to go beyond desire. It has to get on paper. Amen? Come on, how many are ready to write some vision and goals down for 2020? This year, some goals for yourself, goals for your family, goals for whatever ministry that maybe God has put in your heart, or goals for your finances. Write it down. You know what Thomas Edison said? How many know who Thomas Edison is? Uh, possibly the uh, America's greatest inventor. Uh, he actually, and he was not only an inventor, he was a businessman who developed the electric power generator. I didn't know if you, did you guys know that? So, in other words, we have lights and we have energy generation uh, generators uh, because of the the investment from uh, Thomas Edison. Not only that, I didn't know this, but he uh, had everything to do with uh, social uh, communication back in those days. So, I guess that would be newspapers, things of that nature. Super great inventor. Not only that, but he was um, he developed motion pictures as well. And here's what he said. He said. Good fortune is what happens when opportunity meets with planning. Now, although I don't believe in fortune, we believe in God's blessings and his provision. But there's something to be said about what Thomas Edison said. What he was saying is what I said at the beginning of the service. You cannot just have desire. Planning must meet with desire and hook up and get married. And then you will see God bring that thing to pass. Amen? Amen. No, the, the second reason, it sets the pace and clarifies a finish line when you write it down. It sets the pace and it creates or clarifies a finish line. Watch what he says here. Write the vision down and make it plain on tablets. Somebody say make it plain. That he who reads it may run with it. So when you get that dream or that vision down, it's like putting a target in front of you to aim at. Who's ever heard this um, quote? If you aim at nothing, 
you're going to hit it every time. Aim at something this year, 2020. Aim at what God has put in your heart. No longer let 20 or five years go by, much less. Now is your time to not only dream up this vision and have it and carry it around in your heart or in your spiritual womb, but write the vision down so that God can have something to work with this year, 2020. Amen? How many of you like exercising? You guys feel like me. Not one hand went up. I say this often. That's funny. I'm talking to the right crowd. Or maybe not. I'm just kidding. I love going to the gym. I actually go to the gym about three days a week, but I don't like exercising. As a matter of fact, I beeline right past the, um, what do you call it, the, the escalator? What do you, what, the, 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 the stair stepper. That's what they call it. You guys don't even know. I can tell y'all don't go to the gym. Everybody's saying different things. Stair master, stair stepper. I go, I beeline right past it. I'm going towards the weight. I want to do reps. I want to pick up heavyweights. Where are the guys at in here? Lately, I've been contemplating it though, right? And I do get on it sometimes. And here's what I have found out. When you get on these digital machines, they give you the option to set a goal for yourself. But you can also just hit start and you can just get on it. And I have found out every time that I've just hit start, come five minutes, goes by, I'm tired. Sean knows what I'm talking about. He does it on the bike all the time. I get on him. He doesn't set the pace for nothing. He's just like, hey, I'm going to be on here for five minutes. Doesn't even break a sweat. Neither do I. I appreciate it. I just like to lift weights. He's getting better. But what I have found out, I actually do break a sweat when I, when I actually set a pace, like when I put a half a mile or a quarter mile or a full mile. Because when you write something down, it gives you inspiration to keep running. That's why it says here in Habakkuk, write the vision down so that you can make it plain on tablets, tablets that he who reads it might run. So when I'm on this treadmill, on the treadmill of life even, when you have this thing written down, it sets a pace for you. Don't give up. When I don't see until it looks like what I've written down, I'm not giving up. When I'm on that treadmill, I'm not giving up because you're stubborn pastor. I just don't give up easily. When, you, when I look at that finish line, I'm constantly looking at it, and I refuse to give up until I reach my goal. That's what writing it down does. It gives you a built-in barometer. Don't stop until you see this come to fruition. Amen? Somebody say, write it down. Write it down. This can apply to your own personal goals, as I said before, in your relationship with God, in your marriage, in your finances, in your career, in your health, at school, that business idea that you want to get off the ground. And thirdly, I love this. Rehearse it. Do you know how many times I've preached in the mirror to myself? Before I ever got up and spoke in front of anyone and still not as great as I would like to be at it, I preached to myself. Why? Because I was rehearsing. Rehearse the very thing that God has put in your heart. Do you know that's what David did? while he was on the backside of a desert. This guy was born of no kingly lineage. King David, everybody say King David. King David was a shepherd boy. He was counted out, he was discounted, he was overlooked. But do you know what David was doing while he was on the backside of the desert? And that should speak to you while you're on your job and you're like, pastor, I'm stuck in this job or I'm doing this, but I have no room to practice. T try talking to David, he wouldn't hear your excuses because you know what David was doing? He was born to fight and defeat Goliath, but he was on the back hillside practicing on sheep. Come on. 
He, he, the whole time he was there, when, when, when the time came for him to fight Goliath, here's what David said. I have killed the lion and I've killed the bear and rescued them from the sheep that I protect's mouths. Now you're going to be like one of these, you uncircumcised Philistine. And he killed Goliath. How would he be so sharp? How would he be such a fighter? Why? Because he was rehearsing. He was rehearsing as he was taking care of those sheep. He was practicing his aim. And that's what some of you should do this year. Whatever it is that God has put in your heart, begin to practice in private what you know God is going to do for you openly in this coming season of your life. Amen to that. That deserved a better amen, but I'll settle for that. Amen. You know, when the Lord puts a burning desire or vision in your heart, Do you know that it's his way of provoking you? That's why it's there. How many have an aching desire, something that God, you know God's going to do in your life, but it just seems like you're in a waiting period. It just seems like maybe even like it's never even going to happen. Do you know that's God's way of making you uncomfortable so that you move? Because he knows when you move, he moves. Rehearse. Look at somebody and say rehearse. It's no different from when you go to an interview. When you go to interview, how many have interviewed for a job before? I want to see a showing of hands. You know, I've never interviewed for a job. I kind of created one. Maybe I have. I did one time, actually, now that I'm remembering. And I remember I kind of dressed up a little bit, you know. I don't really dress. I didn't, certainly didn't dress that great back then. But I remember I dressed to the best of my ability. Why? Because I was dressing for a position that I wanted to take. You know what most people do? They want God to do something in their life, but they refuse to dress for it. They don't practice for it. Because you know what? They they wouldn't say it, but they don't even believe that they're worthy of it. Dress like you're worthy of it. Practice like you're worthy of it. Get dressed to get ready for what God is going to do in 2020 for your life. Amen to that? Because nobody starts where they end. If you can remember anything I've said in this entire sermon, I want you to remember that. Nobody starts where they end up. Nobody starts where they end. Say, nobody starts where they end. You know, weddings are a perfect example of this. I got a call recently to to do another wedding, and um, I'm so excited about it. They're good friends of ours. Uh, Sean, can I say this? Sean and Chantel, they're some of my best friends. Can y'all wave your hand? She's the lady with the beautiful blue hair and the guy who looks like Buff Bagwell. Such good friends. I'm only allowed to say that because they're so close to me. Um, their son is getting uh, married uh, in March. And I started thinking about all the preparations and see their excitement. I'm so proud of them. They've been dating for five years. Their son's name is Karsten. And Diana is, he's, he's, is going to be his soon-to-be wife, his fiance. And uh, I was thinking about... Um, the excitement of getting married, right? I thought about all the preparations that need to be made, and I've done a couple of weddings, and so, you know, there's that day before the wedding. There's the rehearsal. Can you imagine how messy a wedding would look without a rehearsal? The cake would show up as the, as the lady's walking down the aisle and just how discombobulated it would be. The music would start before she starts walking down the aisle. All these little dysfunctional things that can happen if you don't properly rehearse for something. So timing is everything. Rehearsal is everything. Everybody say rehearsal is everything. 
And so I thought about this. Rehearsals are God's way for grooming you for the big day because practice makes perfect. Somebody say, get ready. Because the bride looks forward to the big day, but the bride, I'm sorry, the bridegroom looks forward to the end of the day. I'll let that sit for a second. Did y'all hear that? The bride looks forward to the big day. Say amen, honey. But the groom, he looks forward to the end of the day. And here's the thing. God will not allow you to get to the end of your destiny until you properly prepare for the big day. Isn't that good? We have to prepare. And not only do we have to prepare, and I say this finally, and I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to end on time today. Somebody ought to speak in tongues over that one. Number four, simple. Focus. Focus. I love this scripture. In Philippians 3.13, it says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. Everybody say, forget those things which are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Listen to me. If we're going to go into 2020 strong, in spite of what relational dynamics you may have run into, it could be maritally, it could be some friendships that you've lost this last year, it could be some defeats on your job or maybe some troubles in your finances. Maybe it was a big move. Maybe you just, there's some sickness that you're dealing with in your body. Maybe it's a physical ailment. I don't know what it is. Maybe it was a delayed destiny. My encouragement in the word of the Lord this morning is forget 2019 and look forward ahead into 2020 and believe him to do great things and make up for some lost time in your life. Amen. Now, I want you to know this. When you get a vision, when you get this vision, when you write it down like we talked about, when you meditate on it, I can promise you when God shows up with a vision in your heart, the enemy will show up with his darts. Amen? And so be prepared for a fight. Be prepared to keep moving forward. That's why Paul said this. I forget those things which are behind. I forget those little defeats. I forget those setbacks. I forget my failures. I forget my past, amen? But I'm gonna forget those things and I'm gonna take all that energy because you know it takes energy to look back? Do you know it takes energy to hold unforgiveness? Do you know it takes energy to kind of look at what, what God didn't do in your life, which ultimately causes defeat in your own life and you would bring that into 2020? Let's not do that this year. Let's press forward. Come on, somebody reach out in front of them and press Press forward to what God is going to do in your life. And that's my prayer for this body this morning, Lord. Simple message that encourages us, Lord, that you first encouraged me with to not look at 2019 as failure or setbacks, but, Lord, a setup, a positioning, a period of preparation. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.